Welcome, everybody, to episode number 294 of the Extra Podcast. I'm your host, John. It's a privilege to be here this morning, this afternoon, if you're listening with you. Around the table today, we have Andy Steiger. Steiger's in the house. Feeling good, guys. Glad to be here. Andy, do you normally talk about yourself in the third person? You know, Steiger's actually pretty fun. Like Bo Jackson? I do, actually. My wife actually calls me Steiger. That's like her affectionate term for me. What? That's great. Really? Her affection. Yeah, calls- you, you've, you've heard her do it, haven't yeah, you, Jeff? Yeah, I have. She does. It is a fun name to say. It is. I'm Jeff. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, Jeff's, Jeff's just like, let's, let's stop that. Jeff's here as well. <laughs> and Matt is also here. And Matt. Never just referred yourself. Was there a as- Seinfeld episode about people who call themselves by the third person? Oh, probably. I'm sure there is. Should have been. Now, is know. that third person... It, it, it is, but not in the normal sense of the word. Is that the problem? You just don't know English? Well, I do, but you know, if I were to say, you know, Andy does, that's one thing. But when you refer to yourself by your last name, it just seems a little Oh, different. totally. It's way different. It's more <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so different. Third per- yeah, it's not nearly as pretentious. <laughs> no, no, not nearly. <laughs> Thanks for that insight, Matt. That was great. That's right. So, Matt Glezos is here. Yeah, I am here. Um, Andy, how was the conference this weekend? You had a big conference at Northview Community Church. it was phenomenal. We had around 1,300 people out for the weekend. It was fabulous. Things went great. Thankfully, the snow held off, Mm and uh, and it was fantastic. Were you worried about the snow? You were worried about the snow. I was. I was. Like, this year's been awful, man. I I don't... I've never hated snow more in my life. You know, it's a sin to worry, though. Oh, and it's... I'm dealing with a couple sins here, Jeff, when it comes to snow. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. I think that's an actual part of the Bible. I think that's uh, Stephen Colbert's favorite Bible verse. Because I got some some serious hatred going on for the snow currently as well. But, no, it it was good. Uh, It was great. You know what's interesting, though? There was some some crossover. Uh, People need to hear this. this. The irony is just unbelievable. Some crossover with the conference this year and Jeff and his foot, which we've got to talk about. Uh, do, we, do we have to talk about his we foot? We have to okay. talk about the foot. So I was, I was only able to preach a sermon on Saturday night this week, for those of you who don't know. Yeah, Jeff was on the IR on Sunday. I was. Uh, I was actually on the IR on, on Saturday night, but I'm, I'm a star. Oh. So Jeff, I had to, Jeff I had plays to, through pain. <clears throat> I had to play through pain. Like a true hockey player does. So yeah. I, my foot blew up into a balloon. Uh, on uh, Thursday, yeah. and as a typical husband that I am, my wife was telling me, "Jeff, I, you, we, need, I need to get you to the doctor because this is just not normal." And I was like, "Yeah, it'll go away." And it didn't. In fact, on Friday morning, it blew up more <laughs> like a balloon. And by Friday midday, it was actually fl- blow, blowing up a balloon like a balloon, and my entire lower leg was starting to blow up like a balloon. So I went to the doctor, and he told me, "Yeah, you, you're going to have to go to the." hospital immediately because this is uh, cellulitis and uh, it'll kill you. So I, so I, they had to put me on an aggressive IV, uh, antibiotic IV met treatment and I had to go in a couple times a day for that. So I was on Saturday night, I had to go and do, I had Saturday morning, I had to get it done and Saturday night I had to get it done right after I preached the sermon, but I had to sit down on a stool a la Andy Stanley. Nice. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? Relatable. Yeah. But the whole time when I was preaching, I was thinking to myself, man, my foot hurts. Mm. Like it was, I kept moving mm. it around. There was a period at which I actually had both feet kind of almost straight out, 
right? Yeah. And I was leaning, I was just slouching in this thing, thinking Brutal. this is not a good look. <laughs> Did they so, crop the shots? I, just, yeah, totally. The lower part of my body, up. I had my hands on my knees, like, oh, this hurt. my hurts. <laughs> now, the irony of all this is on the Friday when he's got his shoe open, you know, throbbing foot, and we've got a medical doctor that's speaking at the conference, and he's there in the office, mm. and, and, you know... Jeff's talking to him. I said, you know, Jeff, you know, Ewan could take a look at your, at your foot. And, and Jeff's like, oh, no, no, it'll be, it'll be fine. It's just a little, this is a little tender. It's just a flesh wound. Yeah, just a flesh wound. And then that whole, and then we had a, a luncheon. Where every about, doctor in the entire region was at. Because <laughs> Jeff's wife couldn't get him a, a, an appointment at any doctor. There was. There must have been like 20 physicians yeah. there. Of course, he didn't have any of them take a, take a peek at it either. No. Well, it only occurred to me halfway through the meeting that all the doctors that I was looking for appointments from were actually sitting in the room near me. (laughs) Uh, And then I thought, well, do I go and show them my bloated foot while they're eating their ribs or should I wait on that? Probably after. (laughs) I could have waited until after. (laughs) But I didn't. I didn't even announce it because I'm a star. Mm. Yeah. And then he almost died. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Almost died. Almost died. Every doctor in the hospital, including the one I saw, they made sure to remind me. In various ways. You know, without us, you'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> the nurses would be saying that, oh, this is a very serious condition. You know, without before the advent of penicillin, you'd be dead. I'm like, well, I really? Stop it. I don't need to hear that anymore. <laughs> trying to foster thankfulness, though. I think that's all. Okay, so how many people did you see at the doctor's office that knew who you were? Like, uh, hey, Jeff. A few, but they don't, they don't always tell you up front, which is especially awkward. They just do it later. They'll say something <laughs> like, uh, one girl started to s- swear under her breath because she couldn't get the IV in. <clears throat> and then she said, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, shoot. And I, and I, I was like, yeah, okay. And then found out later that she knew who I was. Well, she didn't come to our church, but she knew who I was. And then, um, yeah, I don't love going to the doctor here in Abbotsford. Me neither. Because, um, yeah, they, you they all to, know who you are. You have to disrobe and stuff, and that's just not. Yep. Dude, that's not good for I feel bad for my wife. They made you just roll your less. foot? <clears throat> yeah, they so. wanted you to take your like pants off for the... Hmm. I talked them out of that, though. When I went to the thing, I said, hey, take you know, you need to get yourself... Uh, put the gown on. And I was like, really? It's just the foot. Can I just roll my pant leg up? And she looked... She like looked secretly left and right and went, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no one will notice really? one day. <laughs> oh, Classic. That's, yeah. that's great. Pretty good. Well, this last weekend, you got one shot at your sermon, and you preached about friendship. I did. Our series, in, um, our series on Modern Family, we thought we'd include one on friendship, uh, largely because it's a subject that we don't usually talk about as a, sub, as a topic, and also because it really is, especially if you're single, this is like the main way, this, I mean, your family in many ways are your friends. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to make sure that <clears throat> we cover that. We're still going to talk about singleness. John, I think you're preaching a little bit on singleness. Yeah, in a couple of weeks. At some point. And uh, we wanted to cover that, but we also wanted to do something that had, had something to do with the normal everyday life of a lot of singles and married people as well. I mean, a lot of stuff we talked about replies to your your best friends. You know, if you're married, it should be your spouse as well. So, right. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that we don't talk a lot about friendship. Why, why do you think that is in our world today that we don't talk a lot about it? Uh, I don't know. I think it goes on an assumption. I don't I think there's a lot of, not a lot of teaching about it. There's a lot of 
Although I was surprised, actually. Matt, we got to thank Matt for pointing me to the Proverbs on this. Yep. Because I was thinking about, we were going to preach this series on, or preach the sermon on David and Jonathan. But I felt kind of disingenuous taking that passage in in First uh, Samuel to making it into something about friendship, even though it did talk about the love that uh, they had for each other. Um, the There's a lot of Proverbs. Like, mm-hmm. I think we had like seven or eight. We had to eliminate, I think, four or five Proverbs yeah. in order to talk about friendship, just in the three that we did. And so it was, it was good uh, to look at those proverbs, and, and there's more to be said in the in the proverbs about it. But I thought that we covered um, some of it anyway. I enjoyed. I mean, I enjoyed it as well. I don't know why we don't talk about friendship as much. It's such a, it's maybe the same reason we don't talk about work all the time. It's something we do with most of our time. Right. We spend most of our times with friends and at work, and those two subjects don't usually come up at church. <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah. Although relationships and the way people re- relate to one another does. Mm-hmm. But the value of friendship and what the scriptures have to say about it, not all the time. I, and I would particularly add that if it does get brought up, it tends to be with the ladies and not the men. Yeah. Why is that? Because it's just a more relational, they're just wired to be more relational, so it's part of what... I, I Well, I wouldn't... Personally, I wouldn't say that, that mm. they're wired more to be relational. I think... For for whatever reason, ladies tend to talk about the friendship thing more often. I think because ladies tend to get and do friendship better than the guys do. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but if I were to say what area of my life do I probably neglect the most, it's not my wife, it's not my kids, you know, it's not my God. It, it's my friends. It's It's dudes in my life. This wasn't always the case, was it, Andy? You brought up some letters from the Puritans, I believe, in your sermon. Yeah. And so what, what has maybe been that change and how is that different now? Yeah, no, this, so this is a, this is an interesting subject to talk about. And I think it's a place that the Tristan church needs to <clears throat> wake up a little bit. Um, so let me frame it a little bit. I, I think that one of the reasons why the Christian church struggles so much to appeal to, uh, to, to men who are struggling with same-sex attraction. So we're saying to somebody who struggles with same-sex attraction, if we want to be faithful to Scripture and faithful to God, we're saying it may be God's calling your life to be celibate. Okay? But we're also saying to them, hey, you'll find within the church <clears throat> the kind of intimacy that you would find in a, maybe a marriage relationship. Like the friendship, right? Intimate friendship. And by the way, intimacy, and when I use that language, I'm, I'm not, you, you can be intimate with a person that you're not having sex with. Okay, I am intimate with my kids, and and there's no sexual relationship. So it, you can be intimate. <clears throat> in the history of the history of um, friendship has shown that friends are intimate with one another without having sex with one another. It's only what we call an anachronism that we we end up applying modern day ideas on, back onto the thinking of people who come by. So we end up saying something about David and Jonathan. Oh, they must have been having you know gay, they must be gay. Because look, they talk about love for each other. Or those Puritans must be gay because the guy talks about how much he misses his friend and he, he wants to bedew his bosom with, which was the language that's used in that passage. Like mm-hmm. you, we say, well, he must be gay because we only now know about that. <clears throat> you know, all these people had to hide it all these years past, but now we know. And that's not true. You can have a, a, a strong relationship with somebody, an intimate relationship with somebody without it, without it being sexual. Right. That's why every paraplegic in the world has intimate relationships with people. So I, the question that you have then is how do we foster that kind of friendship in the church, that kind of intimate friendship in the church so that we can say to somebody who we're calling 
toward a life of celibacy, you will not miss out on anything. Okay, because the culture at large is saying, no, you will. And I'm saying that the only way that we do that is if we foster a richer kind of male friendship that we are not fostering at this present moment. That if you want to be a celibate gay man, it is very difficult for you to do that in the, in the Christian church. Because, because like all, none of the guys around are comfortable being having intimate conversations with you or genuine conversations with you at a deep level because they're freaked out at being thought of as being gay. I mean, have you ever guys ever gone to a restaurant with another guy? Oh, man. Yeah. Like, I had this happen all the time with a buddy of mine. He would come over and it, part of our discipleship, you know, we, we would go on walks together and it was when my kids were young. So I'd be pushing my kid in the stroller, you know, and walking with another dude. And he thought it was hilarious. He'd call it daddy and daddy time, mm-hmm. you know, just bugging me about it. But I mean, I always felt awkward about that, right? Because just in our culture today, that, that scene is weird. Yeah, we use language Ladies like, can do it, but oh, not dudes. I've, I've got a bromance on, with this guy or, or you know, like a, a man crush or whatever. And I, so we, every time there are two guys together now, and there, it, it's kind of instinctively, we sort of look, look at them and wonder, oh, I wonder if they're, I wonder if they're gay. Um, and I, what I'm, what I'm saying is that because there are a lot of people in the culture, and not just in the Christian church, but in the culture at large, who are trying their hardest to avoid any kind of misunderstanding regarding that, we don't really express ourselves and our love for one another as, as men. It's not okay for me to say to a, a dear friend, I, I love you, and I think the world of you, and I'm so happy that you're in my life, right? Because all of the language I just used there is like... Oh, that's what stuff you say to your girlfriend, mm-hmm. right? It's not seen as masculine, that's for sure. No, you and should. It's, it's interesting to me because as I've traveled abroad, and I'm sure you guys have seen this as well, I've been to a number number of cultures that you know caught me off guard where I'd see two men holding hands walking down the street, right? And and you know I'm like, what what on earth, right? Because we're just not used to seeing that level of affection between two men. Mm-hmm. No, but it's there. Like I, this is this is kind of my part of my thing. It's it's there. First of all, let me just say that when I when I said that I showed those pictures of, of men and from ages past who were holding hands or mm-hmm. uh, sitting one guy sitting on each other's laps. You could just feel in the room a sense of like, oh, you shouldn't be shown these. Like this, these are really awkward. <laughs> a couple people laugh. A couple. <laughs> like they're not sure what to do with any of that. But one of the things that we need to, as, a, as Christian men, probably redeem is, is the language about each other and toward each other. It's not wrong to praise your friends and in a non-joking way. It's, in fact, I've been trying to tell my kids lately that it's great for you to screw around as brothers and to tell each other off all the time and make jokes about each other and stuff. That's what brothers do. I get that. But if that's all you ever do, then uh, I think you're missing a major portion of what your brother needs to hear. He needs to hear that you actually do love him and think the world of him in these specific areas. I think that Christian brothers need to probably have that kind of attitude as well, that we need to be more willing to share our heart with each other and not be freaked out that some that everyone's going to think it's gay. Because it's not gay. It's what genuine relationships look like and have looked like for centuries. I'm not even sure. I mean, I... I don't think I disagree with what you're saying. I think there's that that element, but I wonder if the the greater issue is is just a fear of intimacy in general. Hmm. M- meaning, probably the guy who's not talking to his his buddy much about his feelings is is maybe also not talking as much to his wife, or isn't. You know, I, I feel like it's it's a product of a 
of a of a culture where uh, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of difficulty in really being intimate because vulnerable. Yeah, you you have to open yourself up. You have to so whether it's friendship, whether it's relationship, we see that that challenge that people have of of really maybe it's an issue of trust. Probably we would say it's because in our family units there's. Uh, not as much trust, as much affirmation as there needs to be. I think it's interesting that Proverbs is, I mean, it's it's um, it's a father writing to his son, right? Saying, hey, here's here are the things you need to know for wisdom and, and for godliness. And so part of the things he says is, hey, you need to know some things about what it means to be a good friend. Hmm. I wonder if that's happening very much. I don't think uh, I can remember that many conversations that I've had about friendship and I recognize that now with my sons that every now and again I think oh, I should I should probably tell them something about what it because we sort of assume well there's friends everywhere and it just happens and yet there is an actual uh, disciplined way of being a comfort level of, of opening and, and sharing that probably has more to do with kind of who we are maybe as men of God or, or mm. kind of deeper things it also seems to me that it comes down to to what you value mm. and if I were to say you know why in my life does I, does this seem to be lacking? It would it would probably come down to just do I do, how much do I value it? How much do I make time for it? Uh, once you have a family and you have kids and all those things, you you get really busy, and those things that you don't value as much, I mean, they're going to get dropped off. Mm-hmm. So and, here, here's my fear, though. Okay, so my my dad lost my my mom a few years ago, five years ago. Um, here's my fear for men and and my general perception of the way it works. When men get older, if your wife dies, okay, because the only person in your life that you fostered any kind of level of intimate relationship with has been her, most men that I know of struggle a great deal to remain single. Women don't have quite the problem because they're not as afraid to shepherd, to, to foster that kind of intimate relationship with one another. So if two women, if you, if you're a widow and you go on a, on a, on a cruise with another widow or with another woman who is never married, whatever it, there's not, it's not thought as weird inverted commas, right? As two guys who are widowers doing that. And we, we, we in our culture don't have any place for I, I special male friendships Unless that are non that are non-sexual, yeah, and and but in the end, it means that a lot of guys are dying lonely, yeah, and they're getting old lonely, yeah, because we're not really fostering that sort of thing. We don't really. I've talked to my wife about this after I preached this sermon this weekend. She was saying, you know, you're you're right about thinking about male friendship and especially and about how it really is something that needs to be fostered more and women as well because we do get locked in, like you say, Andy, into our into our marriage relationships, which is good and natural and right. But I do think it's really important for us to to be willing to speak and to act in ways toward our friends that show that we actually do love them in a brotherly love kind of way. Um, Matt, I do have a, a. I think you're right, though. Excellent. Yeah. No, but no, I think that that we we are a little bit afraid of enemies. I, I'm just wondering if that's culturally learned. Do you know what I mean? Is the culture largely telling us as many is it tells us many things, but like, is it largely telling us to be a man? You have to be this kind of stereotypical, uh, you know, uh, you have to be able to put up your own tent and uh, you have to be able to fish and build an outhouse and be an independent guy. 
I think it may be telling us that, but but it's also telling us to, to be a friend is something very superficial. And so uh, whether you have a friend of any gender as, you, as you're going up through high school, your understanding of, of friendship is is so anemic that uh, when you put it in light of some of the things you were talking about from Proverbs, it just seems like a totally different thing. And mm. so I wonder if it's not so much, uh, you know, Again, I don't disagree that that's an issue, but I think more so young men and, and young ladies for that part are growing up and their expectations for friendship are so low, right? You're you're just someone you hang out with, someone you have fun with, someone you like to do stuff with, which carries over into other relationships as well. That, But also you're not used to someone caring enough about you to even ask those deep questions and certainly not to, to push you on things. If you're in a Christian, you know, friendship, like you were saying, where you might say, Hey, I've, and I've noticed this about you. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, our, like there's an area of sin that because I care about you and love you as a friend, I'm going to, I think all of that is, is unfamiliar. And mm. so as you, so yes, I think that, that, um, discomfort with having, you know, other guy friend and going to do things is there, but an underlying, I would say maybe for both sexes is just, Man, I'm not really sure what it means like means to be in a genuine friendship where where I know that person well enough to be able to speak into their life and vice versa. Right. Because you know, even in the church culture, we come on Sunday, we smile a lot, we talk to each other, but I don't know if I want to join community group because I got some other things going on. I'd rather go and do I'd rather go be in spin class where I can totally I, I think that's contributing to it. So probably both things, but in either case, like what did you guys got, so I my question is what do you in the middle of my sermon I I try to make the argument that the proverb that says uh, an enemy is one who blows, who, who multiplies kisses, but a friend... Do the kissy sound again. Do the kissy. <laughs> yeah. So a friend, if, but a friend is a person, a true friend is one who wounds. You, know, you can trust the wounds of a friend, but an enemy multiplies kisses. I was trying to make the argument that culturally that's flipped here, that actually we have come to the point now where we think actually true friends are those who multiply kisses, who constantly affirm us. And that enemies are those who wound you. And we've gone out of the self-esteem movement and oh, we could talk about that for a long time. But I'm just interested in what you guys, what your take is. Do you think that that's a right or do you think that that's misguided or how do we address it if it's right? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a real issue. I think like you mentioned in terms of the way we interact, uh, in terms of social media, there's there's often a lot of light, you know, that's sort of the way that we tend to, I think it's certainly for those younger, that's their first, uh, you know, how, how do we interact with people? Well, we like what they're doing. That's how we show them that we care about them. And the people we tend to value are those that got a, got a lot of likes or those who are affirming. Which so, should be the majority <laughs> of your friendship. I think it should right. go saying, right? Right. Like, it is supposed to be an encouraging, aff- affirming right. like, thing. I, I want to say like 95, 98% of your friendship is probably right. going to be but one of But if they're only affirming those things, those superficial things, even in that, there's something missing. I think it's the, I, I guess I would argue it's the depth of knowledge, right? Intimacy in, in my mind is really a depth of knowledge that you, you know the backstory, you know the struggles, you know the... Isn't that part of the challenge? I'd, I'd be curious just around this table that, see, when you go through high school and school previous to that, but when you get out of high school, you've just spent the last 12 years of your life up to, you know, building these really intimate friendships in which those people know you know you. 
you know, and, and those are some amazing friendships, but then you head off to college, you get jobs, you move away, you get married, everything changes, and now you have to foster a whole new set of friendships. Totally. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Industrial Revolution ruined us all. <laughs> no, I mean it. Like, so you have to move off the farm right. from your small town into the city, and now you're disjointed, and you have to become a new per. You can become a new person, which is freeing for some people, right? If you grew up on the f- in, in the farm, you've made all sorts of errors as a child. You love the idea of getting to the city and becoming a new you, but there are there's a kickback to that, right? There's, and and that is that you sometimes feel um, unhinged. And you're not sure you have to make, you have to kind of make it up as you go along. And the depth of relationship that you have in the city isn't quite as strong now because, because it's so transient. You have so many people coming and going. And so you can get to know people at some level, but it's, yeah. See your old, your, your high school buddy, he sees right through Pastor Jeff. Oh, totally. Immediately. He sees right through, you know, you know, Andy Steiger, you know, they see right through because they know who you really are and what you did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they, they know everything. Right. Uh, and it, it changed that, that level of relationship. Cause it seems to me that we put on a face, you know, when you head to the city, you make the new, you know, you know, who am I going to be? You know, mm. you kind of make this facade of, okay, this is who Andy's going to be or whatever. Well, you can't do that with a friend you grew up with. Uh-uh. They, they could see right through that in an instant. Yeah, I agree. And it, well, it's a challenge. Uh, for us, and you're right, this we move around the depth. If if intimacy is affected largely by the depth of knowledge we have about a person, no wonder we're in in a more industrial age. We're struggling with mm-hmm. that level of, of of intimacy. But I just think it means you need to be more deliberate about it. Exactly. Like, and part of that deliberateness is an honesty that you have to have with people. That you're you know stop trying to present Facebook you all the time to everybody. You guys understand what I mean by mm-hmm. that? Everything's positive. Everything's right and stuff. Just be honest a little bit. And be willing to let people in to your to your life with your struggles and also your hopes and dreams, and they will usually respond in kind. Mm-hmm. And that's how friendships, deep friendships, get formed. And then I, that's kind of what I mean by being overt with your language toward people and expressing to them, "Look, I really think I really appreciate you, and I thank you for these things." And do you know what I mean, mm-hmm. Jeff? Don't you find though too one of the other challenges once you have kids is that your kids' friends their parents tend to become your friends. You know, it's like you, you start hanging around the kids that your kids are hanging out with. You guys, mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm yeah. talking uh-huh. about. Yeah. And so I've got friends that are 50, 40, 30. I mean, just the a horror. <laughs> they're all <laughs> what over. Do you, what do you talk about? This is so <laughs> <laughs> it, it provides though, def, it, 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 it create to me, it creates a, no, a whole nother level of challenge. Uh, to developing friendships, male mm-hmm. friendships. Yeah. Actually, I want to think a long time about the idea that the industry it really has affected us, the, le- the level that we know people. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the reasons, again, that's what you're bringing it up, is that part of the reason we're not able to confront one another and our, our errors is because we don't have the depth of friendship that's required in order to do that. We don't have the depth of relationship in order to do that because we don't have enough time with people. We don't have enough time with people because we're so transient. And so these are the four cultural forces, right? And so we mm-hmm. need to be really vigilant to try to make them change if we're actually going to experience the kind of deep friendships that we need to. Isn't that the irony of technology? <clears throat> Most of this, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, you know, social media, you know, you, you th- it's a supposed to bring you into more, you know, relationship. But in fact, no. it does the exact opposite. Well, it brings you into a relationship with, with certain aspects of someone's character, yep. the ones they want to show you. But yeah. it... 
you know, I agree again, yet Proverbs, it seems that there's always been a need for, for fathers or parents to help their children know how to pick good friends. Yeah. Cause that's what you see in Proverbs. There's some that are going to be always praising you, but they don't really care. So, so yes, there are certain cultural forces that have made this more challenging, but that, that was always a challenge for, for children in particular and, and youth because they're immature. They can't, they don't always see, you know, when someone's uh, praising you a lot that, oh, there might be something behind that, right? So the, you know, scripture is there to say, well, there's here are the deeper things, here are the, the real genuine things that are present in a real friendship. So look for those. Look for the person who is actually listening to you mm-hmm. rather than always talking. Look for the person who, you know, uh, is, is, is affirming and encouraging, but... What was that? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that part? The... Is, the yeah. Sorry, did you, did you say, say something? something? We weren't. Oh, Andy and I were just. This like, is why it's been a challenge since I've been here because <laughs> I've been saying a lot and yet I've been getting, you know. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's just. I think Matt said something. <laughs> it was real. Oh, so good. It no, was so I, good. It was right, on no, the way to being good. And then I got Shanghai. <laughs> right. <clears throat> But you we, get what I'm saying. Yeah, we, I totally we get you, what you're yes. saying. No, I think you're absolutely right. You, that, mm-hmm. just, is that a genuine source affirmation? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a genuine affirmation. <laughs> we, we've, we've touched on it a little bit, but there was a question that came in to the podcast about the, the necessity of friendships in our sanctification. Hmm. I wonder if you guys could just share a little bit about how necessary are friendships in our sanctification? Absolutely necessary. But this is just a, this is a statement about, you know, all the scriptures talk about the one another's, right? All over the place, and that's the whole point. That's the point: is that you're not you're not going to grow in Christ without other Christian brothers and sisters. And there is a reason that that language of brother and sisters used in the scripture in the early church is a great book, Joseph Hellerman's book, when the church was a family, that tries to argue rightly that the most the most important relationships in the first century were not between husbands and wives, and it was between uh, sisters and brothers, and they were the ones that you would actually go to the wall for. And so you would privilege those relationships over everything else. And so that, that language is picked up. And he's not, they're not endorsing that language in your biological family now. The scriptures aren't making that argument. But they are saying that, look, when we talk about what the church, how the church ought to function, that's the way, this kind of uh, pin your heart to your brother, go to the wall for your brother, right, die for your brother. <laughs> that kind of language is an idea is supposed to be conveyed there. And we need to be better, I think at pursuing it, at welcoming it, uh, in, lo- in lots of things. So yeah, friendships, Christian friendships are, I think, central to one's growth in Christ. It's hard though. No, it's easy. I think well, it depends on your friend. <laughs> <laughs> it is tough. Yeah, it's hard. But uh, one of the things Why do you that think I- people say though, that marriage is, is a sanctification? Like when I ever talk to somebody, they say marriage is one of the most sanctifying works around. And the reason is because it's, it, it is the most intimate, closest proximity to another sinner that you can experience on the, probably in the, in the world. Yep. And that, that chafing, <laughs> right, that, that rubbing against uh, each other's personalities causes the sparks to fly. <laughs> and it ends up, I mean, if you, if you, let, it, if you let it happen, what will end up happening is that you'll become a better person because it'll rub off all some of your rough edges. But some people reject it and say, I don't want to be have that those rough edges because I'm awesome. And they go off and do their own thing, which tends to be the approach these days, again, against kind of intimacy because the culture at large is telling you you are awesome all the time at every point. And if somebody gets on your 
back or says something you don't like, that's they've they've like offended your safe space, and now you need to go and and throw a fit with the institutional leadership. See, that was the that was always the thing that I benefited from my r- friendships was when my buddies and I got serious about our faith. They had the courage to say, you know, hey Andy, you know. Watch, watch what you're saying. I, you know, I hear what you're saying, and you know the language you're using. You know, and you could call one another out, and it hurt to have a, a buddy call you out, uh, but it would challenge you uh, in the way you were living. I mean, even with my buddies, I tell you right now, hands down, growing up, I would have, you know, I, I never had sex before marriage, uh, but if I had, the person that I wouldn't want to have found out wasn't my mom. Uh, it was my buddies. If I would if I would have felt like I was letting anyone down, you know mm. what I'm saying? Yep. It would have been my, my Christian buddies that ha, that I have been walking with. Those those would have been the ones that would have been the most heart wrenching to have broken that too. Because they would have been, on, they would have taken you out on it. They would have. They would have taken a task yeah, on it. Yeah. Yeah, and you, yeah. It's a good thing though. And it is. That's exactly <clears throat> it. It is a good thing. Wounds of our friend can be trusted. Mm. That's right. Enemy multiplies kisses. Yes. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us again this week. We look forward to being on in front of you on your... You froze there, didn't I you? did. I totally lost it. You you not sure, you're not sure what you're looking forward to? I don't know. <laughs> John, hey, what are, what are you looking forward to? Next, looking forward to next week oh, yeah. and being around the table with you guys again so I can go through all of this again. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. No one lifetime's not too long to live as friends.